0: Welcome to the Sunday Morning Podcast from Kingdom Faith Church in Worthing. Hey, it's a joy to be with you and we love you guys very, very much. And when Pastor Clive rang me and said, would I come up and uh, spend the morning with you? I said, absolutely. It's been far too long um, since we were together. Um, so it's a joy to be with you. I give you love from Family Church, which is your church down in Portsmouth, because there's one church, amen? amen. There's one church. Aren't you glad that even though we may be 30 years old, 50 years old, We're 2,000 years old. We're a part of the same church that Jesus Christ opened 2,000 years ago when he said, I will build my church. That's us. We're them. They're us. You're me. I'm you. There's one church. There's one body of Christ on the earth. Amen. And uh, I'm so thankful that God's still got an incredible plan in these last moments of time for what he's going to do in and through his church. Amen. I love it when we come through Easter and we rejoice in acts 2 and the coming of the spirit but sometimes I think the church stops reading too quick we get to the end of that moment when Peter's led 3,000 to the lords and we miss those moments in verse 42 where we see not just the coming of the spirit but the birth of the church we're a part of a church that was born in fire we're a part of a church that, isn't it amazing? We're a part of a church that has trouble making time for prayer, yet the church was born in a prayer meeting. Yeah. It's, it's funny. You know, there's a lot of people today saying things like, stupid words really, um, things like, the church needs deconstruction. That's, that's just ridiculous. We don't need de-dis-anything. We need rediscovery. We need to be reminding ourselves who we are in Christ and what Christ put us on the earth to be. Amen. So massive greetings to uh, Pastor Clive and to Jane and to Sister Caroline and uh, to, to all our friends here. It's good to be here all the way from Portsmouth. That's where the sun shines. Um, all the time, and it just gets ridiculously too warm sometimes. There aren't you amazed that everywhere in the world at the moment is having a heat wave apart from England? Um, I've got some issues with that, but I'm working through them, and I'm sure our time will come. This is a great moment we're in, and God really is a God of moments. I want to share to you today from something that I'm going through myself I'm not preaching from arrival I'm welcoming you on a journey that I'm enjoying a lot and uh, I just thought this morning, let me preach from the word, but also preach from my journal. And whenever I preach from my journal, it's things I'm still working out for me. Is that okay? Now, I know that we're in a moment, a God moment. You you don't have to be that spiritually alive to realise, um, like C.S. Lewis put it so well, that Aslan is on the move. Um, God is moving, and this is a God moment that we're in. And we need to understand that God is a God. Of moments, God is a God of moments, He's not haphazard in His planning. We are, we wake up, what should we do this Sunday? What should we do next month? That's not God, God's a God who designs moments. Now, when we know and we speak about moments and time, there's two words that are often referred to one is chronos, and one is kairos and when we speak of chronos we speak of logical time sequential time we speak of time recorded by watches and calendars moments this time next week June 2023 November 2025 when we speak of chronos we speak of logical sequential time God hasn't got a calendar like ours on his fridge God lives in eternity but we need Kronos to help us manage eternity to understand where we're meant to be and where we're meant to be there. Now God doesn't live by Kronos, we live by Kronos, watches and calendars are formed by Kronos and that's not a bad thing but we always need to remember that God lives in Kairos and Kairos is opportune moments Where God does something he always purposed to do. So Kronos can be compared to watches and calendars, sequential, logical. But when it comes to Kairos, I don't know how to put this apart from for those who are old enough. It's like the moment when the man from Del Monte, (laughs) he say, yeah he say, yeah, anybody remember that advert? And if you don't, there used to be this guy and he operated a fruit farm and he was responsible for tinned peaches and tinned sweet corn and other great delicious things. But in the advert that I saw growing up, you would have this man sitting on his porch on a rocking chair and he would be looking at the harvest and he would just be looking at it. And the workers and the labourers would come to him and they say, is it time? Is it time? They weren't asking Kronos. They weren't asking, is it 3pm? They were saying, is it time to bring the harvest in? And the man from Del Monte, he would look over and then he would taste a little bit of corn or he'd taste a berry. And all of a sudden he'd look at the young kid, remember the advert, and he'd go... And the kid would go ripping through the village, screaming, the man from Del Monte. He say, yeah. And at that moment, the barn doors opened. The combine harvester came out. Suddenly, the reapers left their home and began to bring in the crop. I kind of sense that the man in heaven, he say, yeah. we're in a moment that's not like other moments this isn't Kronos this is Kairos this is Kronos a moment of time within a bigger moment of time that God always intended you see God doesn't make it up as he goes along now you can see windows of this within the old testament within the new testament when you pick on someone like Noah Now the theologians love to argue about the time it took to build the ark and come on let's face it theologians love to argue full stop (laughs) and some say it was 50 years others say it was 70 others say it was 70 to 100 others say it was 100 to 125 let's just settle and say it was a long time it was a long time but let's pick on 100 years just for the sake of arguments that God speaks to Noah in a moment about something that will happen a hundred years later. God is outside of Kronos. He lives within eternity. And he knew the perfect moment to do what he was going to do when suddenly the rains would fall. Yet he spoke to a man called Noah about building an ark and preparing for something that would happen many, many years later. When God spoke to Joseph, he gave him a dream that Joseph thought would unpack within weeks. Actually, it put him on a journey through a prison, through a pit, to a palace. one day Joseph was standing in the palace and was the prime minister he saw in the moment many years before when God had said this is who you will be we need to understand that we are in a God moment this is a kairos moment this is not time to be asleep this isn't time to be in cruise on pause going through the motions you don't want to miss what's going to happen next now I'm sad that some people never made it back from COVID and they've still got their COVID slippers on and they're still watching church and getting on with the new rhythm of life they found during lockdown. I'm sad for them because they haven't got on the bus and they're going to miss the destination and we're so close now. I'm sad for people that are allowing offence in certain things to cause them to leave church at this moment. Now, offence has always caused people to leave church, but not this moment. Why? You are so close to the destination. We are so close to God doing what he promised he would do. We are so close. We are in a moment where Aslan is on the move. Some people are spiritually alert to this. Other people are so asleep. We need that awakening, that move of the spirit, just to quicken their hearts and awaken them to what's happening right now. I've got something called FOMO, which is um, a, a growth of FOMO. FOMO is fear of missing out. Okay, We all have an element of that, don't we? And I think Jesus used FOMO a lot of the time because people just kept, not wanting to miss out on what he was doing next. But I've got FUMO, which is fear of others missing out. If you watch a movie with me, it's terrible. I get offended if you get your phone out. You can't sleep. If we're in this, we're all gonna enjoy this film. That's me. Now, Gina isn't wired like me, Gina's my wife. She goes to sleep halfway during a film. And this is one of my biggest things that I need counseling with. Because I'm like, no, and I'm shaking her. No, you can't sleep. You haven't seen the ending. Especially if it's a funny movie. No one can miss the funny bits. I kind of sense that regarding the body of Christ at the moment. I don't want anyone to miss what God isn't about to do. He's doing. I don't want people to miss. People that have served him for many years. People that have served him for weeks. We need to understand this is a Kairos moment. And I believe that this is a moment... Where God is adding an ingredient to the church that's going to change everything. And I want to talk to you about that ingredient, if that's okay. Now, we've got many great ingredients in the bowl of who we are as a church, especially when we base our ingredients on the recipe of the early church and they devoted themselves to apostolic teaching, they devoted themselves to fellowship, sharing of life, they devoted themselves to prayer, breaking of bread, community, loving God, praying. All of those ingredients are amazing and they're in this bowl and you as a church have always lived by those ingredients. When I think of that recipe in Acts 2.42 I think of Kingdom faith I think of um, you and Jane I think of Pastor Colin and Caroline you've always been a people that said apostolic teaching apostolic truth always been a people that said sharing of life that's where I learned the definition of fellowship was from Pastor Colin when he shared on shared life and also boy you've always been a people of prayer amen and always been a people of encounter Yet even with all those ingredients in the bowl, sometimes you can turn up at a church and see things and be left with the conclusion something's missing. Now let me give you an analogy without being too negative. You can go to a church and we can say let's worship Jesus and you look out as we're worshipping Jesus and some people are lost in the presence of God and they're having trouble coming back. My other people are looking at their watch, scratching their backside, standing there. Some can't even get here on time because apparently praise and worship isn't important. Hmm, Something's missing, right? If we're honest. And we talk about the Great Commission, how all of your loved ones, if they don't know Jesus, are going to hell. That's a reality. And people say, absolutely, I believe that. Yet they never tell their friends and family about Jesus. (laughs) There's an ingredient missing. We talk about how God's the God of all of our life and all of our life belongs to him, including our finances. The tithing is an Old Testament. It's a way of us honouring God for the victories he brings in. Yet if you were to talk to the finance officer, there's a chunk of people in church that don't give tithes because they can't, they won't. There's an ingredient missing. What would happen if God suddenly added that ingredient? This is the moment I believe that we're in. Where God adds an ingredient that only he can add. Anybody want to know what the ingredient is? Okay, well, wait a little bit. Don't be too pushy here. Because I really believe I'm discovering what this ingredient is. And I'm also realising we're in a moment where the Holy Spirit is adding it to the church. The church is beautiful. The recipe we've used is perfect. But something's missing if we compare ourselves to the early church that we see in Acts 2 verse 42. Right? Okay, so when we look at ingredients, I've done a little bit of baking, and I was inspired by the great British Bake Off, had a go myself, did my own bread week, made my own buns, and they were all right. And I know as an expert baker now, in my own opinion, <coughs> but there's one real recipe For bread, and I'm going to go by the traditional recipe, you use things like flour, flour's a great ingredient, you use things like moisture, water, that's a great ingredient, you use things like a little bit of salt, a bit of sugar, Um, you use all of those ingredients, and all of those ingredients are brilliant, but nothing happens until you add one, that ingredient is yeast. What if all the ingredients in churches we know are absolutely phenomenal, they're all good and they all love God and represent God, but we're missing one ingredient that causes the mixture to move from a natural experience to a supernatural happening where a rise begins to take place that's not of man but of God it's because suddenly he adds something to all the ingredients in the bowl that changes everything what if this moment we're in God is adding an ingredient by his spirit that man can't add because man can't own it and it changes everything so when I make my bread, I'll get my bread and i stir it all together in a big bowl. I'll put a towel over it for its first proving. <laughs> and I put it in an airing cupboard or under an armpit, somewhere warm. So the, the reaction between the added ingredient of yeast and the other good ingredients can begin to cause something supernatural, unnormal to happen. I remove the tea towel. And suddenly, it's not like it was before. It's grown, if I've done it correctly. It's grown. And then suddenly, I bring it out for its second proving for the other experts out there who are <laughs> bread. And I beat it. I just give it a good smashing. And then I, put it, I let it rise again before we put it in the oven and get the completed bun. Now, it's amazing when you pull the tea towel off that you look at it and you go, how did that happen? It's all because of one ingredient that you added to a really good mixture Our church, what God's done over the last few decades, it's a good mixture. All of the ingredients are important, but we desperately need God to add the yeast that was the part of the early church back in to who we are today. Are you ready for the ingredient? Anybody taking notes? Some of you are going to be so disappointed. (laughs) You really are, because it's going to not really sound that impressive after I've built it up and I've built this this massive moment. And I'm going to tell you and you're going to go, is that it, right? So I'm going to do it in a really strong British accent to try and make it even more powerful. Here it is. What do we need God to add to who we are today in a greater measure than what we've known? Are you ready? The actuality of God. When God suddenly becomes actual and moves from being a concept, a philosophy, a theology, hearsay, hand me down from parents to children. That moment when by the Holy Spirit, did you just feel the atmosphere change? By the Holy Spirit, a God who we believed in becomes actually So real, so present, so here, everything we once did for him is affected. Suddenly, because he's become actual in our hearts, we have to have people stopping us worshiping. We have situations like Moses where we have to forbid people from giving. The only difference between the experience of what we saw under the leadership of Moses and the early church was the actuality of God. That moment where a God who for many has been a concept. See here's the problem, you can't worship a concept, you worship a person. So if God is a concept, you'll always struggle worshipping a concept because you can't worship a concept, you worship a person. When God becomes actually God real really here really here really here really present then suddenly worship is a natural outflow of who he is you see theology outside of actuality is nothing more than thoughts but the moment actuality a move of the Holy Spirit touches something we call theology suddenly we move from knowing in our heads to knowing in our hearts that's the game changer everything changed you don't need anyone to stop you watching porn you don't need anyone to make you go to church you don't need anyone to check on your tithing you don't need anyone to nudge you and remind you to worship why because the concept just became actual and now your life is changed and can never be the same because he's not a god that you visit on sunday he's a god who's with you and in you and you realize that your life is the blueprint of the old testament temple God now lives in you you see the theology of being a temple of God really won't change much at all but suddenly when you move from theology to actuality when the spirit of God breathes and suddenly you realise wait a moment Christ has been born in me I've been born into him but he's been born into me Christ is in me 24 hours a day seven days a week and I've moved from that being a theological belief a philosophy or an ideology or hearsay of my parents to me understanding oh my god it's real it's real everything changes with the actuality of God see when you look at the word actuality in the dictionary it says the state of something existing in reality now for a lot of people the existence of God existing in their lives for some is hearsay of their parents. They go to church because their parents went to church. That's not enough. God wants to shift that and bring the children of the parents that knew God into intimacy of relationship with him themselves. God wants to shift things from hearsay I do it because my mum did I'm a part of a Christian family I'm a fourth generation Christian to moments of raw encounter where suddenly you scream he's real he's real but what do you mean you've been going to church for 20 years I don't know what I mean but the God that I knew now I know The things I said I knew, now I know. Maybe that's what Paul was referring to when he said, let the man who says he knows, let he doesn't know as he ought. Because the things we know are the things we believe. The things we believe should be the things that govern how we live. Unless we don't actually believe. It's like if I saw a man walking on the edge of a cliff and there was a sheer drop and he could die. And I went up to that man and I said to him, do you believe that you could fall off of a cliff and die? absolutely do you want to die no then why are you walking next to the edge of a cliff you don't actually believe like you say you believe see what we believe is evidenced in how we live not when people are watching but even when people are not watching and it's just us and him who we are in Christ and who Christ is in us when it's actual defends and determines everything that we are and we do in a non-religious sense So we're in a moment, I really believe, where God is adding this ingredient that can only come by his spirit, which is the actuality of God. Sounds like a British kind of, I could be in a university lecturing, couldn't it? Today we're going to look at the actuality of God. That moment when God moves from being a concept, an ideology, a philosophy, hearsay, hand me down religious belief habit to suddenly being so real (laughs) so present so alive everything changes okay where's our pattern for this it's got to be Jacob hasn't it so if you've got your bibles with you for those that are scared I wasn't going to use one there you go Genesis 28 and I want you to read an account of a person that grew up in a Christian household that had the testimony of a great granddad and a great father but didn't really actually know God himself his name was Jacob he knew of God but when you read through this you'll see for Jacob a lot of what God was was concept and hand-me-down but then there was a moment called Bethel come on somebody say with me today God give me another Bethel come on God give me another Bethel because I don't believe Bethels are singular moments but they're moments that God sets into his calendar for us that causes us to know him in a way that we suddenly look at everything we've been doing with him for the last 30 years and we say "Did I even know him because the actuality of God is something you get from a book it's something you get by the spirit is this okay you with me today okay now, let's, we know the story of Jacob. He was a bit of a fruity character, wasn't he? Bit of a thief. He was a, a surper. He's the guy that ripped his saw off a couple of times, took his birthright for a bowl of soup and uh, dressed up as a hairy monkey to get his blessing. This is Jacob. That was the influence of his mother more than him. I just want to put a caveat in there for him. But Jacob was a bit of a saucy character. He was a bit of a bad boy. He was a liar. He was a cheat. Yet he was the son of... Isaac, not a trick question, he was the grandson of, so you kind of expected more, right? (laughs) Yet every person's unique and needs a unique knowing of God. And so he's on his way somewhere and he stops at this place that's later called Bethel. But for him, it was just like a place, any other place in a desert that was a good place to stop. The problem was he stopped in a place that God, before Jacob was born, had designated for a moment where Jacob would encounter him in a way that Jacob would suddenly experience the actuality of God for himself. But moments in life can seem so bland if we don't understand and see what God could be doing in those moments. And so suddenly Jacob says, I'm going to have a sleep. And he gets a rock and he puts it under his head. I don't get that. I like a firm pillow, but I like a little bit of bounce. You know what I mean? A rock, a boulder under my head. It's great. It's going to become an altar. But if it's going to be a pillow, I need something with a little bit of bounce. But in this dream God begins to communicate with him because God speaks in dreams. Remember when God spoke to Solomon about asking him what he truly wanted. It happened in a dream. God communicates to us in our dream life because a lot of the time we're out the way. That's why I dream a lot of God dreams because God finally when I go to sleep he says thank goodness for that Andy's out the way. Now let's speak to Andy. Let's talk to the holy place not the outer court. <laughs> let's talk to Andy. Andy. And this is what happened with Jacob, suddenly Jacob has this dream and you know about Jacob's staircase, I'm kind of whipping through this story but I know you're familiar of it. In this dream suddenly there's this staircase, he's at the bottom, God's at the top and all of a sudden there's ministering angels going up and down, up and down, up and down. In this dream God suddenly says, hey Jacob, hi. I'm the guy that your grandfather spoke of. I'm the guy that your father spoke of. I'm going to be with you. I'm going to bless you. As I was with them, I'm going to bless you. And suddenly this encounter happens with Jacob and God in a dream, in the middle of a desert that no one really thought was very special at all. And this moment happens, and I want to pick it up from verse 16, where Jacob awakes from his sleep. And he thought, surely the Lord is in this place and the problem was with me I was not aware of it he was afraid and said how awesome is this place this is none other than the house of God this is the gateway of heaven later on you move down to the bottom of the chapter and it says in verse 22 and this stone that I've set up as a pillar will be God's house and of all that you give me I will give you a tenth so apparently he wasn't even tithing to this point even though his granddad wrote the book on it Because you can know God in concept, you can know God in theory, in theology, in ideology, philosophy, but knowing God yourself because you've had an encounter with Him will change everything you once fought to defend that wasn't God's will. All right? So suddenly He wakes up and He says, Surely God is in this place. And I have been living unaware. I have been ignorant to the actuality of the presence of God in this place. This place isn't any old place. This place is awesome. This place is incredible. I was unaware that God was here. Now I'm not unaware. And this place can never be boring again. Right, let's move it into the New Testament. God no longer meets us in places. The place is now us. That the Holy Spirit moves and awakens us that this place before God was boring, but this place is now awesome. Why? Because of the actuality of the presence of God in this place. Now this fits within what we understand to be the omni and the manifest presence of God that when we meet together suddenly God causes us to realise he's here and the atmosphere changes. But in the same way what happens when the spirit of God moves not in a meeting but in a person's life? And all of a sudden, you move from the concept of being spirit-filled to the reality and actuality that the God who made heaven and earth now lives in you. Everything changes. It affects what you watch and what you don't watch, how you live when people are watching and how you live when they're not. Because you've moved from the concept of God to the actuality, wherever I go, you're there. Wherever I go, you're there. When I'm feeling low, you're there. When I'm feeling happy, I'm there. You don't join me when I'm feeling happy and leave me when I'm feeling low. You said, surely I will never leave you and never forsake you. But my life is now the temple and the dwelling place of the Holy Ghost. So how could this place possibly be worthless or boring? See, this is the solution for a generation that's harming itself because it feels itself is rubbish. It's not the absence of them, it's the absence of God. Put God in their life and they won't want to harm themselves, they want to rejoice in what God's doing through them. The actuality of God. Alright, everybody still with me? Yeah. So Jacob awoke from a sleep. I think the church is awaking in our nation from a sleep. And it's awakening not to more revival meetings, more services, but it's awakening to something that the Holy Spirit's doing which is he's bringing things from hearsay to actuality because Jacob's parents undisputably loved God and knew him but how many of us are living in what our parents knew don't get me wrong we honor the legacy but we don't live in what belongs to another person God had a date not Kronos but Kairos in his calendar where suddenly him and Jacob were going to get it on and they were going to have an encounter and we know that later on we move on a few chapters because now He's become real to God, uh, real to Jacob in his mind. And that causes a few chapters later where he wrestles with God. Here his mind was changed. In that chapter, his walk was changed. And he could never walk the same again. You see, when you encounter God, it changes the way you think about God, which changes the way that you live. But when you continue to encounter God, suddenly you wrestle with him. And he touches your life in such a way that the way that you walk can never be the same again. A lot of lessons within this. Now this is what the Holy Spirit does. See, the role of the Holy Spirit is to bring things from concept to actuality. To bring things from knowing to knowing, from knowing to knowing, from knowing to knowing. Because what you truly know is evidenced in how you live when people are watching and when people aren't. And the Holy Spirit's moving now things from religious pages and religious concepts and religious theologies to being actual beliefs in the hearts of God's people that define what they do and suddenly begin to fight battles they didn't think they could fight before and win. All right. So how do we see the Holy Spirit operating in this in creation? We see in creation you've got the presence of God the Father. You've got Jesus, you've got the Word of God, and you've got the Spirit of God. And it says that God sat there in great void, right? And then he spoke over void. The Word was released, okay? And then the Holy Spirit took the Word of God and brought it into actuality. So God spoke, let there be light, but there was no light yet. Because the Holy Spirit was the one that took the Word of the Father And took it from unseen concept into the reality of suddenly everyone could see light. You see, that's what the Holy Spirit does. The Holy Spirit, that's why we will continue to preach the ministry of the Spirit and the ministry of the Word. Because the Holy Spirit is the one that takes the Word from concept, theology, ideology. I know a lot of people that have been to Bible school and they don't really ever really know they've been born again. See, theology can't save you. It's when the Holy Spirit causes theology to become revelation that your life has changed. All right? How are we doing for time? I've not got a clock at the back. I can preach all day. You better put a (laughs) clock on me there. Now, we're heading somewhere. I really believe God is going to do something really quick this morning. So don't worry about time. Your dinner's there. It's all going to be good. All right? Because even disciples, those who walked with God, can have issues actually believing he is who he says he is and he can do what he said he would do you don't believe me consider thomas in john 20 now come on thomas was a part of a team all right he was a part of a team i mean he was there sitting around the campfire all right this gives me a lot of hope when i actually struggle with my own actuality issues that he was with jesus he was there when the miracles happened he was there multiple times When Jesus said publicly, they're going to kill me, they're going to hang me on a cross, they're going to put me in the grave, but I'm not going to stay dead. They're going to take me, they're going to kill me, they're going to put me on a cross, they're going to put me in a grave, but I won't stay dead. I don't know how many times he heard that message. We only have the times recorded in scripture. But there were many times when Thomas said, what did you say? You heard me. They're going to take me, I'm going to die, they're going to put me on a cross and then I'm going to rise again. So he wasn't absent of knowledge. All right? Yeah, they take Jesus, they put him on a cross, they bury him. And all of a sudden, you read about this in, in John 20, if you went to, the, to, to John 20 there. I, I believe you believe I'm telling you the truth, so I won't ask you to turn there. And all of a sudden, Jesus is risen from the dead, just like he said he would do multiple times. And some of the disciples have seen him. And they go rushing back with great excitement to Thomas. And they say, Thomas, we've seen him. He did what he said he would do. Just like he told us, Thomas. You expect Thomas at this point to go into something that resembles a Pentecostal glory fit. Of spinning and twirling and shouting glory, hosanna. No, Thomas turns around and says, I doubt it. And then he says, unless I see the holes in his hands, that's gross, right? And the hole in his side, then I will not believe. Yet Christ had clearly told everyone, including him, what he was going to do. Don't you love the heart of God? A few days later, they're gathered together. And Jesus walks in the room, not using the door. He just walked into the room, (laughs) unrestricted now. He walks into the room and the first thing he does is he goes up to Thomas and he says, go on then, go on then. He wasn't being mocking towards Thomas. He was saying, if your faith is at a place that you need some physical evidence to prove that what I've told you is true, I'll give you the physical evidence so that you can move from the concept and theology to the actuality. I am the Christ that's risen from the dead. Tell me what you need. I'll make it happen for you. You see, Jacob needed a moment where he saw something in a way that changed him forever. So we believe. But how much do we believe? The church is in position for God to do something he planned to do before any of us were born. God had this moment. I don't know why he chose this moment. Apparently this year is what the 70th anniversary of Jubilee. Maybe he thought that was a catchy date to do something. I don't know. But for some reason before any of us were born without conferring to our Kronos understanding of time, God said, there's going to be an end times. There's going to be a last days. And in the last days, I will pour out my spirit upon all flesh, women and men. There'll be prophecy. There'll be dreams. But God had a moment called 2023 in his Man from Del Monte calendar. And God is breathing upon his church right now saying, this isn't time to sleep in your corporate Christianity this isn't time to sleep or stay away this is time to pray together more than you've ever prayed together this is time to fellowship together more than you've ever fellowshiped together because when I look at my church and I look at your church I see all of the ingredients of the apostolic doctrine the understanding of fellowship and the breaking of bread of prayer but like you like us in Portsmouth we're desperate for God to add this final thing that makes the other ingredients explode within the bowl so suddenly the church of Jesus Christ made up of thousands and hundreds of thousands people all over the world suddenly begins to rise like bread when it's experienced yeast and it begins to awaken and rise and suddenly there's an end time army that God positioned before we knew we were being positioned equipped before we knew we were being equipped in position for what he wants to do with a suddenly which will bring in the second coming of Jesus Christ where we all go as he promised we would. Are you ready? God's blowing the wind of actuality. Do we actually believe he's here? You see, that's really important for this meeting because if you actually believe he's here, then you actually believe the healers here and people can get healed but if him being here is concept how does a concept heal your body (laughs) but if we move from concept or religious habit or living in statements other told us and taught us into a revelation of the spirit God is here okay God is here If Jesus is here, Jesus is the healer. And the testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy, which means that what we saw him do then, we can expect him to do now. If he did it for one, he'll do it for all. If he won't do it for one, he won't do it for any. If he did it then, he'll do it now. Because what he did in his testimony of the gospel was the prophetic guidance for what we can have expectation of today. So if he's here, the healer's here. Which means without me squeezing your head like a cantaloupe melon, pushing you on the floor... Be healed. Because he's not just here, you see. He's here. If he was here, that would be incredible. But he's here. And the same spirit that rose Jesus Christ from the dead, if he lives in you, will quicken your mortal body. Great concept, but you'll leave with the sickness you came. But all of a sudden, you add the yeast. It's a real one-add-one moment, isn't it? Hmm. if he's here the things he did in the gospel can happen here hmm. if the same Jesus is here the way he healed blindness then he can heal it now let every blind eye be touched in Jesus name let every broken bone be healed let every OCD, mental attack, emotional problem be broken off of your life right now let the freedom and the liberty of Jesus Christ break out not just around you but within you because he's the same today yesterday forever you're here Lord you're here you're here we love your presence Lord Lord give us a Bethel God, even if we've walked with you for so many years and our knees are tired from kneeling, give us a Bethel. Add the yeast, God, to my life and add the yeast to your church that causes ingredients in a bowl to become a rising loaf. Something that's unstoppable, the glorious church, the triumphant church that can't be stopped. A people of God positioned for a generation and a time such as this. Lord, we welcome your presence today. Would you just take a moment with me just to welcome his presence? Could I get Toby on the guitar? Could we just welcome his presence? God, we welcome your presence. We welcome your presence. We welcome your presence. Let the sick be healed. Let the captives be released. Because you are here. You are in our midst. And we, your people, we give you praise today. We haven't got to drag you down or bring you up because you are present in this place and you are present in us. Bethel is now within us, God. It's not a desert in Israel. It's us. It's who we are. That you meet us in this moment of Bethel within our lives. And you deliver us from concept, ideology, theology, philosophy, hearsay, hand-me-down, into moments where with a raw cry, deep within us, we begin to scream, You are here! You are here! You are here! The God of Israel is in our midst, and he lives within us. I feel sorry for Jacob because he only had the external experience of Bethel. What now for the new covenant believer that God now lives within? I sense that the Spirit of God is blowing across the United Kingdom and he's not waiting for church services. I believe you're going to suddenly be in the supermarket. I believe this in my heart because the church is taking too long to get involved with evangelism. Holy Spirit says, I can't wait for you anymore. Catch up when you can. And I believe we'll be in moments where you're standing in B&M. You're standing in Sainsbury's. You're standing in Tesco's Superstore and there'll be a a young mother there a single mother that needs help that has been desperately on the pursuit of happiness and for no reason not in church in the middle of a supermarket you'll start to see people drop to their knees and go he's real he's real and people will be saying what do you mean what do you mean what do you mean I don't know I just know God just became real to me. God just became real to me. I never even went to church, but this God has become real to me. And I can't be the same. I can't be doing this. I can't be. And that's before they even get to church. That'll be fun to disciple. He's real. So how do we end the morning like this? I don't know, I don't even know what time is. You guys are good with the clock, I, I don't even know what time it is. But we're in Kairos, not Kronos, right? <laughs> if you want another Bethel moment, would you stand to your feet? If you're happy with how things are going, that's cool. Maybe you're here and you've never given your life to Christ. If you're here and you've never given your life to Jesus, you don't know if you're a Christian. Hey, just leave your chair and come forward and I'll pray for you at the front. If you're here and you don't know if you belong to Jesus or you're a Christian, come here. I'll come, come and stand at the front while we're praying. I'll stop afterwards and I'll pray for you. I'll lead you to Christ. That'll be a pleasure and a privilege. Maybe you're watching online and you're like, I wish I was in that room. You don't need to be. God is in your living room. God is with you now. Oh, I wish I saw this live. No, God can work with catch up. He's awesome. That's catch up, not catch up for those that don't understand the English language. The point is, do we believe he's real? Will we let the Holy Spirit bring all these things from conceptual understanding to a reality that we can never be the same again? Right now, there's an addiction of porn being broken off of a man. Right now, right now, right now, right now, right now, right now. Because there was a separation in your mind that when you watched it, he wasn't there. But all of a sudden, that just got removed. And you know, he looks through your eyes. He's there with you. He's in that moment. That's broken, 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 broken off of someone right now, right now, right now, right now hey my daughter got completely healed of OCD I know God can do it the spirit of the testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy if you've had something that's been limiting your thinking or your emotions broken off of you broken off if you're watching on TV if you're watching on TV broken off of you right now right now right now why? because he's real me? oh I'm nothing I'm just a branch connected to a vine let me tell you about the vine (laughs) let me tell you about the vine let me tell you about the vine if you want another Bethel or a fresh Bethel with God just lift your hands now I know you're a people of encounter so I haven't got to even begin to teach you how to do this you guys you love apostolic truth you understand what fellowship is you're a people committed to prayer and breaking of bread and I know you're a people of breakthrough so whether you're here physically or you're watching online live or catch up God can meet you in any of those moments Would you just pray a simple prayer with me? Really simple. God, go on, go ahead. God, I need another Bethel moment that takes away all my concepts and leaves me with you that makes my theology correct in my experience of you Holy Spirit move upon this life bring the actuality of God into my world I receive this and I thank you Holy Spirit that you're adding this yeast to the bowl right now. My eyes are opening. My heart is ready. My ears are hearing. Blow upon me Holy Spirit. Blow all the other stuff away <laughs> and let Christ remain, Christ in me, the hope of glory. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Just my your eyes are closed and your hands are lifted. Holy Spirit is just ministering right now. Just like I said, if Jesus is here then the healers here. Just reach out and take that miracle right now. Just reach out and take that miracle right now. Reach out, take that miracle right now. Reach out, take that freedom right now. Come on, freedom isn't a statue in a New York Harbor. Freedom isn't a statue in a New York Harbor, it's a cross on a hill. Come on, reach out, take that freedom. He died for your sin. He died for your sickness. He actually did. It's not a concept. It's not a theology. He died for your sickness. He died for your sin. He died for your freedom. He died that no weapon fashioned against you could prosper. He died to give you authority over all the plans and the schemes of the enemy, come on this isn't theology, this is actuality, this is real, you've been given his authority, right now tell the enemy to stop over your life, tell him to stop over your family, tell him to stop, come on rise up, rise up, rise up with actuality, you're a child of God, you're a child of God, that's who you are. Thank you for sicknesses healed, Jesus. Thank you for sicknesses healed, Jesus. Thank you for mind set free, Jesus. Just because you became real, just because you became real and your promises became ours, we thank you for the actuality of God that you bring to our lives, Holy Spirit.